0: But maybe your boy might be interested in putting on a big-time wrestling bout you know make a nice hunk of dough for yourself it's time to play football!
1: santa yes virginia there is a santa
0: claus morgan you're out of here you don't have the right temperament for the trade
1: you're a dead man what am i supposed to do
0: there's always barber college Frankie, I know you're a great wrestler, but my brother, who ain't as handsome as you,
1: is as strong as Charles Yeah, but I've wrestled women that are bigger than him. Sure, you got fat, sloppy women. Hello, and welcome to Camel Clutch Cinema, the podcast where we talk about movies that star wrestlers or have wrestling in them. I'm Guy Hutchinson.
0: And I'm Craig Cohen, and this is our Thanksgiving celebration episode and we have with us Captain Marvelous from the Off the Ropes podcast.
1: Hey, welcome, Captain. Ahoy, hoy. How are you? Happy Thanksgiving. Did, did we lose him? Oh, no. I think he just jumped out, like like parachuted out of the show. Oh, my a, God. Do you have a mute button? No, he's gone. He's gone. Well, he'll be back. Um, so, Craig, are you excited <laughs> about Thanksgiving?
0: Yeah, Thanksgiving is always a, uh, a a fun holiday for me. the The main thing I like about Thanksgiving is the fact that it's really a holiday that doesn't require you to do anything, Well, unless you're cooking.
1: Well, yeah, but if even you're that person—that's I mean, a lot yeah. of work. You're saying you don't have to buy gifts or you candy, buy, or yeah, you don't have, have to buy
0: gifts or candy. You don't have to do any kind of ritualistic celebrating. Um, yeah, you don't, you don't have to go anywhere,
1: unless you're the mom who has to cook. That's a lot of work. Or you could just order Chinese food. I guess you could. Um, but, uh, yeah, that uh, that Thanksgiving dinner, I've always kind of been down on Thanksgiving to because to me it's like you have Halloween, which is even from childhood till now, I've never grown out of the coolness of Halloween. It's just the coolest of all holidays. You get to wear a vampire mask and get free candy. And yeah. then – a month goes by, and then the month after that, you get Christmas where Santa Claus comes, you get a tree, you get, you get presents. For me, as a kid, those were the two greatest things, and Thanksgiving was like this speed bump where we had to go and eat turkey, and I wasn't even a big turkey guy. Yeah. I would have much rather if it was like fried chicken. If that was the uh, the entree at Thanksgiving, I would have liked it better, but I always just felt like it was like a speed bump that kind of slowed you down in between. It's like if it wasn't for Thanksgiving, you'd just roll from holiday to holiday with just the, the zombies to the Santa Clauses just back to back. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I can see that. <laughs> Uh, but Thanksgiving, I loved starting in, in the late eighties when we started getting survivor series on Thanksgiving. And this is something that I think kids today don't even remember, you know, wrestling fans that are watching now, you know, probably didn't know that this happened or if it did, it didn't happen in their lifetime.
0: Yeah. Yeah. For the longest time, it it, it took a a long time for me to get out of the the mode of thinking, you know, the Thanksgiving tradition that is Survivor Series.
1: Well, so let's go through this. Did you watch any of these when these happened? I was actually
0: at Survivor Series 1993 in Boston on on Thanksgiving Thanksgiving Day. Oh, Thanksgiving
1: just, Eve. They did yes. it on the Wednesday? Yeah. Ah, yeah, very nice. Um, I went to a Survivor Series, but it was not, it, you know, it was, it was also not on Thanksgiving Day. And I think it was on, like, the Sunday before, you know, mm-hmm. just a random uh, Sunday in, in November. But uh, I do remember those first few years, I didn't get it. I didn't actually, we didn't pay for it. We didn't watch it. We had some football game on. But I had a friend who would go to his grandmother's house and he would get it and I would sit there at my grandmother's house and I'd I'd be on the phone as long as they'd let me because there'd always be the, okay, you got to get off the phone now, so-and-so needs to call or or even worse, back then it was, we're waiting for a call, you know, Samantha's coming by and and she might be, she might need directions or something because, you know, Mm -hmm. there were no cell phones in 87. Yeah. but. What I would do is, I would sit there and, you know, on the phone with him, and he'd say, okay, yeah, Hercules Hernandez is powering out. Yeah, it doesn't, oh, it looks like he's going to be pinned. No, no, he wasn't pinned. Okay. I was like, oh, my God, this is the most exciting thing. So my memories of these matches, when I watch them, I can still hear this kid's voice, you know, in my head, you know, describing all the events of the matches. And often he would get things wrong, and he didn't know the names of everybody. Uh, But that's how I remember that. Now, after that, eventually upn was showing smackdown on thursdays which they eventually moved it to friday and then moved it off upn etc but for a while we got those crazy thanksgiving smackdowns which i used to love
0: oh yeah and you would get like the they'd have the big thanksgiving feast backstage and then you get stuff like the gravy bowl divas match
1: right (laughs) and you'd get uh I, i i i i'm blanking on his name but you got that that guy who wrestled for a very short time who i've had peas before (laughs) does this ring a bell No. i will look this up it's a classic moment in smackdown history i am going to guarantee you that if i just type i've had peas before that that will give me the answer that's how that's how iconic this is
0: all right well while you do that i am gonna i'm gonna add captain back into the call
1: oh fantastic I've had peas before. Let me get me some. <laughs> <laughs> what the heck is going on? I am dialing. Let's do
0: some music so you don't hear it.
1: Ta-da. All right. I think we got captain on the line. Captain, are you there?
2: I am here. No thanks to this money growing company.
1: So, well, we're glad to have you back, even if it has to be on a different on a different wavelength and you sound different. But we're thankful that you're here.
2: Well, that's, I sound different just because I dropped the whole Hispanic gimmick. Just something, <laughs> I do for that. just something I do for that other
1: show. So, Captain, here's my question for you. Do you remember who said, give me some of them peas? I've had peas before. Uh man.
2: Isn't that like John
1: Lennon or something? No. Yeah, those were the lyrics to imagine. No, it was Luther Reigns on a Thanksgiving Day SmackDown episode where he had some peas because he had had peas before. Yeah, he's one of those guys that, you know, like, was such a flash in the pan that when you when you think back to it, you're like, oh, yeah, that guy was... And you, you can't, you know, like, there's a lot of those guys where I can barely remember any storylines. Mm-hmm. I have no idea what big bully Busick did, but I remember what he looked like. I remember him walking to the ring. Just don't remember a single match. <laughs> so, Captain, you... Sir, just had a big milestone celebration of OTR.
2: Yes, we celebrated 200 years of OTR.
1: (laughs) So when you did your first episode, this was, what, the 1700s?
2: Yeah, so our first episode of uh, OTR, we actually reviewed, we we were lucky enough to start the show on a pay-per-view week. Right. So we reviewed that big main event of uh, Vlad the Impaler, Yeah. Versus Abraham Lincoln.
1: Sure. No, it's funny, though. You guys had your 200th episode, and by WWE standards, that could be called your 200th anniversary, because they just feel that when the number, whatever the number is, that's an anniversary. That's the actual...
2: Or, remember when they had, it was like, we're celebrating Raw 1000, where it's really like our 1,200th episode.
1: (laughs) They're like, nobody will know. Don't do the math. Yeah, I
2: think it was the 900th episode they were celebrating, but it was actually like 9:15 or something like
1: that. (laughs) Yeah, I mean that that stuff doesn't surprise me. You know they're you know they're like, well, we'll bump it to here. We'll do you know. I mean, how about do you remember a couple years ago? uh, I think 2011 SmackDown did a Christmas special, and I believe it was before Thanksgiving. Yes, with Mick Foley and when um,
2: Horsepower learned to talk.
1: Uh, yes, it was. Santa Claus gave Hornswoggle the power to talk.
2: Yes. Yeah.
1: And there was like a Miracle on 34th Street fight. And uh, Yeah,
2: that's the one with uh, the be- one of the best gifts. Is a gift, GIF gif?
1: Okay, Jeff
2: Yeah, it's one of those where Randy Orton throws a giant present at um, what's his name? The lawyer guy, Tito Neal?
1: <laughs> no, David Otanga. Yeah, David Otanga i uh i i not only did I record that episode and saved it forever but I also cut it together to make a thirty minute holiday special of it and so i've i watched it again last year and I will be watching it this year on Christmas day and enjoying the Thank miracle on thirty fourth street fight oh, that's
2: that's old, old episodes of
1: raw i I, noticed. I do i do i and actually it's funny we recently were were I was watching one. I was talking to you because you were in the crowd from a back episode from like 2009.
2: Yeah, so this was the episode when the, the whole Denver Nuggets arena yes. fiasco happened.
1: Yes, which I have on my list as one of the biggest turkeys in the history of wrestling and entertainment. So let's, well, uh, let's I, describe I the this. Here.
2: Can we explain the, the, the no. what we're referring to as turkeys?
1: no we haven't but uh i'm sure that you know they saw it in the title and so you know for thanksgiving a lot of people call it turkey day and you got to eat some turkey we're covering lots of different turkeys and we're going to talk about things we're thankful for and talk about thanksgiving and wrestling in general
2: yes that
1: sounds fun so why don't you uh why don't you tell us about this cuz this was definitely one of the one of the biggest turkeys in monday night raw history
2: Okay, so what happened was the NBA playoffs were and on their second round, I believe. First or second round of the NBA playoffs. Apparently, Stan Gronkowski, I believe his name was.
1: Yeah, but the his owner of the, his middle of name the was his middle name was Enos, as Enos. Vince told us many, many times.
2: Get it? Because it rhymes with Bell Venus.
1: <laughs> That's right. So Your name is Enos.
2: <laughs> he didn't have enough confidence in his team that they were going to make the playoffs, so he booked his arena for Raw. But it turns out that, whoa, they did make the playoffs. So now Vince was left without an arena. They got kicked out. Right. So Staples Center had its doors open that day.
1: Sure. So they brought
2: the show here to L.A. And I remember that one was fun because I found out about this. It was like a week before they, they did all this booking. Mm-hmm. So I managed to get some really good seats. Those were actually the best seats. I had gotten in wrestling until I managed to fit front row at Summerslam.
1: Well, now here's my question about this: How much were those seats? Do you remember?
2: Like thirty bucks. How
1: much?
2: Like thirty dollars. Why? I don't know. Like, seriously, I got—I remember—I went with two other friends, and I, each ticket was like thirty, thirty-five dollars.
1: Maybe it was because it was—you know—they only had a week to fill the place. They weren't. You know, charging the normal fees, but that's it's amazing. How much were the SummerSlam tickets? Three
2: hundred.
1: Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. That's it. <laughs> that was pretty much closer to what I was expecting.
2: Yeah. Well, first of all, it wasn't a pay per view. It was a Raw, and like you said, they needed to fill up that arena quickly in the week.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah
2: um, and you, and it was actually, you know, um, people think of it as one of the worst Raws ever.
1: Yeah. But to well, me, it
2: was actually one of the most fun um, Raws that I've been to.
1: It's an interesting one. Some of the matches were good. Uh, it's oh, the just, matches were horrible. <laughs> well, no, no, no. Some of them were. Um, there were there were a handful of undercard matches that worked, but the 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 uh, the main event was just the most childish thing ever. Vince had a bunch of wrestlers dressed up in jerseys wrestling to prove which basketball team was better. I mean, yeah, it so was it was
2: all the faces and the heels, and they were each the Denver Nuggets and the Lakers.
1: Yeah, I, I think the the biggest thing of the budget had to go to the big show getting a jersey, uh, but that was uh, was oh I remember they, had,
2: they they used to have Shaq in the Lakers, so they probably had some Shaq jerseys lying around. <laughs>
1: Uh, I was at another bizarre, bizarre Monday Night Raw, which was, uh, the Volcano one where everybody was trapped in Europe. And so oh. you got, you got just like Undertaker came out of his semi-retirement to show up on Raw and you got, you know, a handful of, uh, matches with SmackDown wrestlers. And that was, you know, and, and guys live by, by a satellite.
2: Yeah. That was you the one where. See, and you got to see, um. Naylen Garcia come out of her two-year hiatus for that's that one true, night. That's true, yeah. Which Triple H thanked her by mocking her on television.
1: Yes, he he went. Burr, burr, you're horsing around. Burr.
2: Be a star, yes. Triple H.
1: So what were you gonna say, Craig?
3: I was gonna say that was the one where they had a, a pay-per-view that coming weekend, and John Cena basically promised that he would swim uh, across the ocean to get back to the states, so he would be on the pay-per-view. <laughs>
1: that's right. Well, that's John Cena. He's got he would do it too. I mean, anybody else should say, well, they wouldn't do it. But I could imagine if the pay-per-view happened and he couldn't come back, they couldn't clear for a plane to go, they would have a series of vignettes with John Cena swimming across the ocean, and I think he'd do it. I think he'd make it, too. I think he'd no-sell the ocean.
3: (laughs) I was kind of thinking that maybe Hogan would come in and uh, do a leg drop and create a tidal wave that John Cena could sort of surf back to the States. That's
1: right. So, uh, so those are always, you know, just really fun. There was one that, I didn't go to, but Craig and I were very excited about it. There was a a storm coming uh, and there was going to be a, a house show that WWE ended up canceling. They, they postponed it a few nights, uh, but I was going to be going to this house show, which was going to happen the night of a huge snowstorm here in New Jersey. And so there was a very big concern that you might get stuck overnight in an arena with a bunch of wrestlers and and they ended up they ended up you know coming to their wits and saying, look, you know, we'll postpone it till next weekend or whatever. But we were just picturing that like three in the morning, Rey Mysterio would be like showing slides of his different knee surgeries, being like, Okay, <laughs> take a look at this slide. This is surgery in my left knee. And, you know, and he's like telling you about the cartilage and all the different bones. And then he's like, next slide please. You know, <laughs> and I was just thinking that would be the most ent- ent- entertaining uh, house show in the history of house shows. <laughs> just
2: have the giant Titan try show his like, knees,
1: like. Yeah, I mean, you know, what else are they going to do? They got to keep everybody's spirits up, you know, and they can't wrestle all night. So I figure Ray's had a lot of surgeries in his knees, so probably. And, and which knee is that? Oh, mostly his left knee. Craig. Yes,
2: his left knee.
1: He's had surgery six times in his left knee, but I think now it's seven. <laughs> so uh, so let's uh, let's go through some of your turkeys. Craig, give us a turkey. All
3: right. We are going to go back
1: to the
3: year 2001 for this turkey. We're going to go to May 4th, and it is The Mummy Returns, but a particular segment in The Mummy Returns where the rock appears As the Scorpion King, with embarrassing, even for 2001 FX standards, um, we got this cartoon rock that as soon as he came on screen, the entire audience laughed.
1: I just remember watching this in the theater with you, and we're just like looking at each other like this can't be real. This has got to be some kind of weird gag that they're playing on us. There's no way that this movie decided to do this. And then this cartoon CGI video game rock raises his eyebrow. Yes,
3: And I mean, there's so many other ways they could have done this. They could have shot the rock from the waist up and just, you know, done cutaways. And, you know, there was creative ways they could have done this, but instead the rock was like, no, I, I only, you know, I'm, I'm done Or Vince called up and he said, the rock did as many days as he was supposed to.
1: (laughs) He's got to go to Cincinnati. Yeah. But I mean, these are really some of
3: the worst special effects I've seen in a universal big budget picture.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Uh, Captain, do you have a turkey for us?
2: Yeah, and this one was actually, um, well, I guess it's not that recent anymore. I didn't write down any years for these. No, that's okay. Okay, so to me, when you say turkey, I'm thinking of something that I'm actually excited for,
1: Mm and then
2: just really, really disappointed at whatever, if it's a wrestler or a moment. Now, you remember when the new... Uh, Legion of Doom
1: was running around. I do. So was, you're talking was this is Animal was with, and
2: Heidenreich?
1: Oh, I was gonna say Animal and Draws. Yeah. <laughs> okay, no,
2: that was L O D two thousand.
1: Yes, all right. So this was with Heidenreich. Now Heidenreich, uh was he the one that hit on Michael Cole in a bathroom stall and then read him poetry? Yes. Okay. That was him. Gotcha. So
2: he was a new Legion of Doom, with him and Animal. And it was, I forget what pay-per-view, it was one of those, they were still separated by brands, so it was a SmackDown pay-per-view. And it was Matt Hardy against Legion of Doom, and Matt Hardy promised, you know, a tag team partner, a secret tag team partner. Mm. So everybody at this time was excited because they thought Jeff Hardy was coming back to WWE, because this was when Jeff Hardy was doing his original TNA run. Sure. So out, out comes LOD, out comes Matt Hardy. I don't. Do you remember this? Any of you?
1: Two? No, no. Keep going. I don't remember this show, so I'm okay. intrigued. So,
2: uh, so out comes, out comes Hardy, and he introduces his special partner, Tatanka, Buffalo. <laughs> and over the hill to Tatanka.
1: Yeah. Tatanka, <laughs> I. This- I I do remember this time because Tataka, Tataka faced Miz on Miz's first match, too, around that time. And Tataka had, a, like, a, a big last hurrah then. And
2: then Tataka, like, just turned heel for no reason.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: He, he painted his face completely black, and he was like, I, I don't know. what I, forget, I even forgot what his reason was. He turned heel for, like, one show and then got laid off. <laughs> I... Uh... But, I was just so. I mean, I'm not. I was not a Hardywood fan. Yeah. I was just. I always get excited with the secret partners.
1: Yeah. No, that's bad. (laughs) Oh man, it's Tatanka. (laughs) Well, I remember for a very long time WWE would say we have a special surprise guest special surprise mystery partner and it was always Jimmy Schnooker. And this was like during the Attitude Era. You know, it was like every now and then they'd be like, Oh, we have a big surprise and I I believe and I, I'm I think I'm right on this that Every time that it was schnooker, it was because someone else had backed out that, you know, there'd be surprises all the time where they brought somebody new out on, you know, because that was during the Monday Night Wars. So there'd be big surprises where, oh, you know, X-Pac is here, you know, but then there were times where they they didn't, you know, they were like, oh, we're really supposed to be getting the outsiders. But, you know, then they decided that they were going to stay there with their giant contracts. Call schnooker. (laughs) <laughs> and Schnuka would show up, and everybody'd go, "Oh, Schnuka Sh- again!" Well, it's or.
2: just almost like now, where every time they promise, "We're gonna have WWE legends," it's always Sergeant Slaughter.
1: Yeah, yeah, Sergeant Slaughter. They uh, they'll get they get Dusty. hacksaw Dusty a lot. Um. Yeah,
2: just the guys in the back. It's always Slaughter uh, Dusty and Shego. Uh,
1: yeah. How,
2: how yeah. many of those
3: guys do you think on Monday night? Or, or i'm sorry sunday night monday morning are sitting by the phone in their ring gear <laughs> i just picture snook on sunday in like the uh, the ring gear with the bare feet and the headband just waiting by the phone saying it's
2: gonna ring brother
1: come on it's brother ring. come on brother." No, the
2: one, as soon as you said that the first picture that came into my mind is honky
1: tonk man yeah yeah <laughs> i love it oh god I uh, I got I got one for you guys that I just that just is such a classic you know wrestling just bit of weirdness. Uh, overall, the guest hosts had a lot of turkeys, but probably the turkiest one for me was when they had Al Sharpton as the guest host of Monday Night Raw. And you, know, I have that one
2: on my list as well.
1: <laughs> really? was the one? What do you remember about that night? What was your what was specific about that one that you thought would be the one to include? Because it was hard for me to choose. Cheech and Chong stood out to me. There were a lot of others, but that one just to me was was probably the strangest choice.
2: It was just what stood out to me was just the choice. The fact that he just appeared for like the intro. Uh
1: huh. Yeah. He
2: wasn't on the rest of the night. Yeah. And he got that he got that Vicky heat where it was, the booing was so loud you couldn't hear him talk.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was, and he was there for a good cause. He was there for, like, some charity, you know, and yeah. that was what he was there to promote. But it was like, he just got the go-away heat, and it was just a, a sad, sad night. Wasn't there,
2: there was another guest host who was only there, like, in a, a video segments. Was it actually Kutcher?
1: Yes. Oh, yeah. It was, like, all that pre-recorded, because he was, he you know, did like, punked kind of video, and, and I think it was all just recorded another night, you know, backstage. at a, Like, they recorded that backstage at an arena in L.A. after, a, like, another show, <laughs> and then plugged it in. I think you're right.
2: And then my favorite guest host of all had to have been Jonah Hill. Remember when Jonah Hill showed up on Raw?
1: That one, I don't... Jonah Hill. Uh, tell me who this is. Is that the fat kid from uh, Superbad? He's the fat yeah. kid
3: from Superbad. And was this around 21 Jump Street?
2: Um, no, I think he was still fat.
3: Okay. All
1: right, so because what
2: is... Okay, so the Monday night prior, every commercial break, Jonah Hill, special guest next week, Jonah Hill, blah, blah, blah. So Monday night comes, Jonah Hill, special guest. John Cena <laughs> comes out. Right? And John Cena was like, I got booking power tonight. <laughs> they wrote him on. <laughs> and, and Jonah Hill's sh- no-showed raw because oh. apparently he went off to go do something else.
3: Oh, <laughs> yeah, like he wow. got nominated for an Oscar that week.
1: Oh, get out. <laughs> I remember, uh, I think it was uh, Cedric the Entertainer when he hosted, where he was like, what about Randy Thornton? And the crowd was like, boo And then Jeremy <laughs> Piven had the the very famous Summerfest. Yeah, Would Summer you Fest. guys get together and you have the the Summerfest? <laughs> but I, think, I, have,
2: I think, okay. Uh, go
3: ahead. Sorry. Uh, you know, I was going to say that I have an, a guest host moment on my turkey list. But sure. um, it hasn't been mentioned yet. All right. Hit us. It is back in uh, 2012 when the Three Stooges came on as guest hosts to promote the Three (laughs) Stooges movie. Mm -hmm. And their segment started with uh, Santino discovering a box marked Fragile, which he thought was from Italy uh, that his mother had sent. And he opens it up and the Stooges come tumbling out. (laughs) And then it it culminates with their in-ring appearance where Moe and Larry come out um, and Curly's nowhere to be found. And then Curly, played by Will Sasso, comes out uh, in Hulk Hogan gear doing uh, a really good Hulk Hogan impression that the crowd didn't care about at all. Yeah. And then finally Kane <laughs> came out and choke slammed him and ended the segment, thankfully, uh, for all of us.
1: Oh, I mean, and you know what was really funny was the guy who played Larry went on like Conan or Jimmy Fallon. And then just was talking about his worst experiences in Hollywood, and that was one he mentioned. And he talked about how much he hated doing that. It was like, well, we hated you being there, so the feeling is completely (laughs) mutual.
2: Now, the special host I was going to mention, which was a total turkey, was Dennis Miller hosting the Slammy.
1: Oh, my God, that was terrible. And I mean I've seen Dennis Miller on TV and I mean he could still be funny but he just was phoning that in didn't bring his A material and just hoped that the crowd would like him and boy they just you know it just sat there. They didn't even hate him. They didn't even boo him. It was just nothing. Completely different. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that was harsh. I mean that was just rough. That was that was a bad one. A lot of those guest hosts were bad. There were some great moments, but I think part of the problem was they didn't say, hey, we'll do a guest host when it's appropriate. They were like, we have to come up with one every week and write material for them every week.
2: Yeah, that was pretty much
1: it. I I wanna completely shift gears and uh talk about uh a Hulk Hogan album. This was I think the Hulk Hogan and the like the big boot band. Yes. And uh, there were a number of crazy tracks produced by Jimmy Hart, including, including that, He's American, this is not Rick Derringer, that song. <laughs> uh, but there was a the song that I, I think was the, just the most fantastic was the one, I think it was called Hawkamaniacs in Heaven. And it was this. Really, really ridiculously (laughs) sappy song where Hogan's like, I went to see a little Hulkamaniac and he was in the hospital. And then the next day he was gone. But I knew there's a Hulkamaniac in heaven. And I was like, I'm so glad you've decided to promote yourself in the death of this child. (laughs) It's like, it was just like even you know like even in like e- even in a song that's supposed to be a touching tribute he's like rhyming you know 24 inch pythons <laughs> I actually have him on here again because of a holiday film he did that I hope we cover very very soon Santa with muscles
3: oh yeah
1: I mean this is possibly the strangest Hulk Hogan film, although there's always High Noon at Mega Mountain. Yeah.
3: <laughs> I think you can separate the Hogan movies by whether he's wearing a hairpiece or not.
1: Yeah. Well, High Noon at Mega Mountain is the one which, which has the moment where he looks at the hairpiece. He's sitting there bald, and he's like, should I put it on? And then he does. <laughs> and, and the funny thing about High
2: Noon at Mega Mountain was that that movie was released, When Hogan was still Hollywood N.W.O. Hogan.
1: Okay. Yeah, so he was like...
2: I remember that because they couldn't... WCW didn't promote it because he was in a face.
1: Yes. Yeah, we're... really weird. We're going to have to, when we review that film, we'll have to tell the full story, but Craig and I traveled hundreds of miles (laughs) to see that in theaters. Well, maybe not hundreds, but we traveled really far to go to a theater we had never been before uh, because, for God's sakes, Hulk Hogan, uh, Jim Barney, and Lonnie Anderson sure. were gracing the screen together. Yeah, and we basically watched it with a mom and her kids. Yes. but that's
2: Well, you wanted to talk about Santa, Santa with Muscles.
1: Uh, well no there's not much more to say about it I mean Santa with Muscles there is uh, there is a part where Brutus Beefcake plays a sumo wrestler uh, but yeah no I mean Santa with Muscles just the title the uh, the fact that Hogan did a promo on on, uh, on Mon- uh, WCW Monday Nitro where he said you know all my movies are taking off Santa with Muscles is just breaking through the box office it's going to be the box office king you know Uh <laughs> The fact that uh, the fact that it exists at all is really is really uh, turkey enough for me. <laughs> I I got a huge one. This is a, a serious one too. I have been shocked that WWE is now WWE. The fact that they one day said you know we're giving up and we're changing our name from WWF. We're going to let the World Wildlife Fund have that. Uh, which, if, if that was legally, there was no other way, I get that. But what I don't get is you change your name to WWE, which still, to me, I don't like the sound of. And then your logo is just WW. What is that all about?
3: Yeah. I, I think the only good thing that came out of that was the whole Get the F Out campaign. <laughs> yeah,
1: that, yeah was... that was actually pretty fun. That was cool. I remember like a commercial with like a hedge shaped like the WWF logo. And then they shave off the F part to make it just WW. Maybe that's why they had to go with that. Cause there was like, well, if we add an E then it won't be getting the F out. We'll be adding a line. We can't like, add we, a line.
3: We never, we never worry
1: about logic in our storyline, but we have to worry about it in our logo. Yeah. Uh, he was like, get the line in. No, that doesn't work. Um, I, uh, yeah, I, I, but I never understood that. And I think WWE doesn't sound right when said, when you say all the words, like if you're, if you were listening to it, a, like a, a Rick Rude promo from years ago. And he's like, I'm the best in the world wrestling federation makes sense to me. You listen to the same promo now, and you get Antonio Cesaro saying, I'm the best in world wrestling entertainment. It's just, like, doesn't have the right ring to it. It doesn't... To me, it's like... It It feels like there should at least be another word after entertainment.
3: Yeah. yeah.
0: You
1: know, like, I, it, it should be like World Wrestling Entertainment Organization or something. It just... I don't like it.
3: Yeah, I think Vince should have went back to what his dad had originally yeah. called the Federation, which was what, the world-wide
2: wrestling
1: federation. Yeah, get get a W. Just give us more W. The
2: the initials WWF are so ingrained in pop culture and and everyone's mind. Because every time you watch the news or ESPN or
1: something, that's like a a WWF match. Yeah, so
2: like, so you know, there's a scuffle in the basketball court and the guys in ESPN are like, I felt like I was watching WWF out there. Yep. It's I mean, just like, like if tomorrow Disneyland would change its name to like Disneyland. Yeah. Or I don't know, like, you know, Disney,
1: Disney place. Sun. Yeah. You'd never, yeah. you'd have so much trouble. Yeah. And I still, to this day, I all the time catch myself saying WWF. Um, and a lot of times, I'll, I even do it purposely. Like, I'll be talking to somebody about wrestling, and I'll know it's somebody that's not a wrestling fan. So I'm like, I should probably say WWF here, because then they'll know what I'm talking about. If I say yeah, they E, have they'll have be to like, C "Yeah, and
2: what's entertainment?" But T it, it's the logo's
1: a W. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like I never understood that, and you know, and and why would you want your logo to be pronounced "wee"? And isn't like, isn't there like a channel for women that's called We?
2: Yeah,
3: the Oprah Network.
1: Yeah, that's just weird. That's crazy. So give me another now, turkey, Captain. Okay, so
2: let's see. We talk about that now. Okay, this one was a big turkey, and this one's pretty old school. Glacier. Say it again. Glacier from WCW. Oh
1: yes, yes.
2: So for weeks and oh not, no, not even weeks for months, they kept playing these promos. Blood runs cold,
1: mm-hmm.
2: martial artists, and they kept playing these promos. Blood runs cold. So what's yeah. happening here? This oh, was that guy looks like Sub Zero. He looks so cool.
1: Yes, I mean there there were more promos even than like Kazarni. Oh
2: god, remember
1: that! <laughs> yeah, I mean it's, it's the same. It's the same storyline, but so they promote this forever. I mean, they promote this for months. I mean, like, you know. I think it was close to a year. Yeah, amazing amount of promotion, and then what happened?
2: Then we get this, uh, the intro is actually pretty cool. There's, like, laser lights, and snow's falling, and black lights.
3: Yeah, it was like Star the entrance with with black lights and snow.
2: (laughs) Yeah, and then Sub-Zero from Mortal Kombat comes out to the ring. And then it's just some guy who kicks a
1: lot, yes, no, it's so true um that that was I mean there's been a handful of those where somebody you know some guy debuted in wrestling and they they pumped him up, and they were all we were all ready, and then we watched it, and we were like, "What the heck happened
2: here and I think the 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 latest example of there is thekazani even more recent than that has to be Sinkara.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I'm very disappointed about that. I was excited about that guy.
2: Yeah, I I, I had known about him, uh-huh. but I purposely didn't go and watch his matches as Mystico just because I wanted to see him as Incara. and oh boy, I did see him as Encara. <laughs> I defended that guy so much, and eventually I just said, I can't do this anymore.
1: I have I have another one here and this guy's got two moments uh one of which I don't know if Craig will remember but uh this is a guy Dale Torborg oh, who yeah. uh was the Kiss Demon uh which Oh yeah but there's a there's a more interesting story but Craig can you can you clue us in on a little bit about the Kiss Demon Uh
3: well the the Kiss Demon was towards the I guess the the death rattle of WCW yes, right and they decided to do a music tie-in with the hottest band in the, band world. In the world, Kiss, <laughs> which Tony Trevani had to sell. Um, and they paid Kiss a, a, a pretty big amount of money to come out and play God of Thunder to introduce the demon who was a, a Del Torborg in Gene Simmons makeup yep. Yep. with the intention of eventually starting a stable that was going to be every Kiss member. Ah. Um,
2: Oh really? I didn't know that
3: part. Yeah, well, if it if it, if it had gone differently, we would have had all four of them in the ring at some point, and God knows it might have saved WCW. Who knows? Um, <laughs> but it, it ended up being you know a big disaster, and what many people consider one of the biggest turkeys in WCW history.
2: Yeah, I actually, I don't. I don't know if this is true, but I had heard that actually Brian, not the singer, Brian Adams, the wrestler. Was actually going to be the case, kid even, or he was, but then he, he quit, or was it always that, that
3: poor guy? I, I do recall hearing that. I don't remember where.
1: Well, one thing that was really funny uh, was that. He also appeared in that. I think it was like XWF, the the uh, the one that was filmed in uh, Universal before TNA with Hulk Hogan, Jimmy Hart, Bobby Heenan, Jerry Lawler. It was like everybody you know that wasn't in WWE at the time went to Universal Studios and filmed a series of of matches, which were I think they were XWF. And now
2: this this was in that MTV show, right?
1: No, that was different. Uh but this was this was eventually released on home video and I think what they had decided to do with it was they were trying to pitch it so they filmed like Sable was like the commissioner. I mean it was just star-studded and Hulk Hogan was involved with it, but I don't think he ever wrestled or even was in the ring. I think he did promos, but Gene Simmons did promos with the kiss demon. Uh, and I've been slowly working my way through the DVD set and Gene Simmons showed up. He was, you know, at universal studios and just sitting there on like the ledge of a planter with, uh, with the kiss demon. And <laughs> there you, there you have it. That was the last hurrah <laughs> of the kiss demon. Uh, but There is a more interesting Dale Torborg moment. I don't know if you remember this, Craig, but from October 12, 1998. It it, it involves an amazing move. (laughs) So tell me me what you remember about this, because I was on the phone with you when when you were watching this, and your your description of it was just (laughs) magnificent.
3: Well, hopefully you remember that, because I don't remember how I described it, but... Goreborg uh was wrestling, I guess, out of gimmick at this point in, in just a regular Yeah, regular... he was
1: like in a car car racing gimmick. He was like the WCW pit crew. Yeah. So he, <laughs> so he was he,
2: uh, the spark plug of the WCW.
1: He was. He had like a blue and yellow jumpsuit and he was wrestling against Kendall William uh, Wyndham.
2: Yeah.
3: So he at one point he goes and does like sort of like an X Pac style like like a pub kick.
1: Yeah, he does like yeah. a pub kick.
3: And Shivani sells it like like it was the most amazing move you'd ever seen. And poor Dale Torborg did some serious damage to his leg. Um and he he, he instantly falls down and uh and basically
1: um, so this, out. <laughs> this is the play-by-play I'm getting from you. You're like, yeah, some new guy's wrestling, you know, on Nitro. And I'm like, oh, great, you know. Yeah, he's got a terrible gimmick, yeah. And then you're like, ah, oh, he tried to win by kicking the guy, and now he's lying on his back and he's crying. And I'm like, what? <laughs> you're like, no, he's crying. He's holding his leg and he's crying. <laughs> he's like, now they're looking at him. Yeah, no, he's really crying. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and so it's a it's a classic moment uh, he he's now the conditioning coordinator for the Chicago White Sox because his dad was a very famous major league baseball manager and so he uh, he he's better suited over there so thankfully the the days of the kiss demon are are behind us
3: <laughs> well I have a I have a sad moment in uh, a, in a wrestler's history that I that I have added to my turkey list okay and this is when Terry Funk uh, wrestled for the WWF in 1998, and he had sort of a movie-like character that they tied in, sure. Chainsaw Charlie. Yes. <laughs> Which was like Terry Funk in overalls with a uh, pantyhose over his head with flour.
1: Right, yeah. Um, yeah, um, this was Terry's idea. Uh, Vin, uh, Mick talks about it in his book that this was not Vince's idea this wasn't what WWE wanted to do uh, this was a gimmick from Japan that Terry wanted to bring when, when they brought him over he was like well I'll do it but only if I can do my chainsaw <laughs> Charlie gimmick I've always wanted to do that one Ugh. and so they basically let him do it for a couple of weeks and then were like see it's not working now you have to but he got over anyway and then eventually ended up wrestling as Terry Funk yeah. but yeah he he um he tore the house down. I mean, that was a, a crazy, crazy weird gimmick. But I think everybody watching saw through it yeah. and saw that it was Terry Funk. There was another one very similar to that, which was uh, um, when Saba Simba came out. It was Tony Atlas, and they put him in this crazy costume and called him Saba Simba.
2: Yeah.
3: The rebranding is always is always weird when you have such a, uh, a major character, like when they tried to rebrand the Sheik,
1: which uh, was Colonel Mustafa or. Yeah. Yeah. As part of like Sergeant Slaughter's, uh, you know, his uh, his his anti-American army.
3: Yeah. And but he wasn't supposed to be the Sheik.
1: No, yeah, he just had a different name, and we were like, "This is a former champ. Everybody knows who he is." But now he was Colonel Mustafa, and he looked like the sheik. Yeah, that was a weird one. Uh, Beaver cleavage comes to mind as as one of the strangest. Almost uh, made
3: my turkey list.
1: Oh, I mean, that was just very strange. They had you know uh, uh, one of the headbangers, and they were just like, "We'll do a gimmick with a woman uh, who, God rest her soul, she she passed away of breast cancer, very young, but this." gorgeous gorgeous woman who had giant breasts and uh he was supposed to be like this beaver cleaver character uh but the whole thing was full of like sexual innuendos and he was like 30 years old so it was okay and uh it just never never really got off the ground
2: no yeah and the, and the poor guy he does other than the headbangers he never really had like a winning gimmick
1: no, yeah. Because if you remember
2: when when the headbangers started, they were the flying
1: nuns,
2: mm-hmm. and then and they, he they
1: got, Well, they had they they weren't just the flying nuns. They had like a different gimmick every night for a while. Uh, they yeah. would show up on Shotgun Saturday Night, which was the opposite of a turkey. By the way, it was just the coolest show. You, Craig and I recently rewatched the episode where they wrestled at. Uh, Penn Station in New York City, uh, with the Undertaker making his entrance by coming down the escalator to fight against Triple H. I mean, it was it was awesome just because it was so creative and unique. Uh, but so that they started out that way, they then became you know the Headbangers, and and yeah, what- they became
2: the Headbangers, and then um, I know Chaz, he became just Chaz, right after that great storyline where they said, hey, that's a Story line where she's beating the woman.
1: Oh, I don't, I don't remember No, no,
2: she's lying. So the Story line was, so this was after the Beaver cleavage thing. Uh-huh. They kind of transition where, you know, it was all jokes, but then we got the, remember GTV?
1: Oh, yes. Another, that's...
2: another turkey, if you could count it.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was just, you know, a thing like the laptop general manager where they just never never gave us a real ending to it.
2: Yeah, so in uh, Segment in GTV caught, um, what's her, the, the woman, I, I don't know her name, like, covering a black eye with makeup.
1: Okay, Mrs. there their, their,
2: Yeah, <laughs> before they did their skits, and then, you know, eventually they dumped the gimmick, and the whole thing was that supposedly he was beating her, but then another GTV segment caught her putting on the black eye makeup because she was just trying to exploit Chaz <laughs> for some reason. That's crazy. And then uh, the, the Headbanger mosh. Uh, showed him that footage, so then spoke broke up with her, and that's how they reformed the Headbangers. God. And then after that, he teamed up with Dino Brown, and they became um, Lowdown.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: And and then they teamed Lowdown, which was Dino Brown and Chaz. They teamed them up with Tiger Ali Zing, another turkey. God, uh-
1: Yes, now, he was a guy, his dad was a legendary wrestler. He had this similar gimmick to uh, Ted DiBiase, where he was, like, very wealthy, uh, except for he had, you know, he was Middle Eastern, had, I think he had a turban, and he had a big sword.
3: Yeah, great look, and he was a great wrestler, and really great on the mic. I don't know why he didn't take off. It was probably the the terrible gimmick they gave him.
2: Well, the thing, yeah, because he had the gimmick, pretty much Million Dollar Man, where he would humiliate people for money. And the last thing I remember him was it was Tiger Ali Singh, real man's fan William Regal. Oh yeah. And there was another character who I can't recall, but the gimmick was that they the three of them got ripped off by the Godfather. Yeah. So he didn't he didn't sell them uh, quality hoes, and that's the last thing I remember I remember them doing. And then I know Tiger Ali Singh became the manager for Lowdown, and Lowdown got this like uh, Aladdin gimmick where Dilo Brown and Chaz were wearing Sabu pants with turbans
1: oh god I don't even remember that that's terrible I (laughs) I there's so many strange gimmicks though, over the years. Remember, well first of all you could go with the Tensai gimmick, but before he was Tensai, he was Prince Albert and that started where he had a gimmick where he would give you a body piercing after the match. He would he would uh finish wrestling you and then he'd, you know, pin you and then he'd get out his, you know, sterilizing his tools and then body pierce you and you'd wake up and go, "No, I didn't want body modification." It's kind and of like *Strangeland*. Know. Remember that D. Snyder movie? Yeah, where D. Snyder would kidnap you and body pierce you.
2: <laughs> and actually, I, I, was, I was a, a fan of that gimmick because I liked him and Draws as a tag team.
1: Uh, Draws was awesome. I really yeah. liked so, Draws
2: because so, the gimmick was Draws was the tattoo guy. He was all covered in tattoos, and he brought in Prince Albert as uh, the guy who gave him all his piercings in his face.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So I thought that gimmick was actually pretty good, but then sadly, you know, we had the tragic accident with Draws.
1: Yeah, Guys, Dra-
3: I, I, okay. Uh, go ahead. I was going to say we're, we're avoiding, the I think, the biggest turkey in the room, but uh, I would like to talk a little bit more about Draz.
1: No, well, I, I love Draz. I've met Draz twice, once before his accident and once afterwards. I just love that the guy could puke on command. Yeah. <laughs> and I love. I just love how I'll cool puke. he was. I, I have told this story before, uh, so I'll make it quick, but I met Draz. And it was at a signing and there were some cops that were like uh, doing security for the event and they were talking to him and like everybody had left, you know, like his line had emptied out. And so I went up and the cops were like, hey, he's talking to us. And Draz saw this and, like, called me over and let me sit next to him while he showed them, like, his Super Bowl ring and his he had, like, his card from when he was on the Dolphins. So I just thought he was such a cool guy. And I, after meeting him, I was, you know, like, a really big fan. And then it was very sad, you know, I mean, for a guy to get injured in the ring and, you know, uh, uh, but he's, he, you know, when I saw him again, which was probably about three or four years ago, I mean, he's a real happy, nice guy, you know, and so – Good for him. Yeah. What is the elephant in the ring, in the room, in the in the in the in the podcast, Craig? I'm surprised we haven't mentioned it yet. And this is sort of a a, a guy that was
3: given a, a new gimmick, but probably the biggest turkey the WWE ever delivered, and it came via an egg.
1: Ah, this <laughs> is uh, the Lady perfect Daga. one to to wrap everything up with, Craig. Tell us about this.
3: Yes, uh, this is from the alumni page on WWE.com. In the autumn of 1990, World Wrestling Entertainment literally laid an egg. In the weeks leading up to that year's Survivor Series, a giant shell began appearing at WWE events all across the country. What was inside this prehistoric-sized egg was a complete mystery to everyone in the WWE universe, but speculation still ran rampant. Was it a famous world champion waiting to make his WWE debut? Could it be the first grappling dinosaur in sports entertainment history? All these questions were answered at Survivor Series on November 22nd when the egg finally cracked. With the trustworthy Mean Gene Oakland standing by, the shell broken open, and one of the most disappointing personas in WW history made its first appearance, it was the gobbledygooker. Yeah,
1: or <laughs> the gobbledygooker, go- or the gobbledygooker, depending on who was pronouncing it. Yeah. Gorilla-elect to say gooker and this was
3: Hector Guerrero in a turkey costume.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> I uh one of my favorite uh moments with the Gobbledygooker was when uh when Maurice came out dressed as the Gobbledygooker.
2: Yeah. And oh, yes.
1: <laughs> There was a great moment where she came out. She beat up somebody, and I, I I don't remember who it was. It may have been Mickey James, but she beat up somebody, and then she because she took a, the costume off and revealed, "I it's me under this costume." And then went to do her sexy pose, and then looks down and realizes that she still has on the gobbledygooker legs, and then <laughs> quickly takes them off, and then does her sexy pose. And I thought that was just one of the funniest diva moments ever. <laughs>
2: And I think it was King who was commenting, or so. I forget who another commentator said, I can't believe there's more than one version of that costume.
1: <laughs> yeah. So,
2: uh. Another, another great Dobbin Woody moment, though, was the gimmick battle royal
1: mm-hmm.
2: at, uh, ex- WrestleMania X
1: 17. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, that. <laughs> That was, the the, Gimmick Battle Royal is full of turkeys, but he was the biggest of them all. It wasn't even the same costume, which I never quite understood why they, why they did Well, that's
2: when they, okay, that's when they said it. Heenan was the one who said, I can't believe there's more than one version of that costume.
1: Yeah, I, it's so strange. I, I also really uh, remember clearly watching that. I thought that Brutus Beefcake was returning, which on its own wouldn't have been all that exciting. But I thought he's going to return the scissors, you know, the hedge clippers will poke out of the egg and that'll be what we get, you know, and, and that was I was bracing for that. And then this happens and Mean Gene's like doing a jig in the ring with him and Roddy Piper's on commentary going, oh, the kids are loving this. And I remember my friend was watching with me and he looks at me, he's like, no, they're not. And I was like, yeah, they're not. Roddy Piper's lying to us. Uh so before we wrap up, Captain, 200 episodes is an amazing milestone. When did you start that show?
2: Now, I, that show started when I went up to Killenberg and said, hey, you want to start a show? No, that's not actually what happened. So the show actually started at a college radio station, uh, thanks to Matty P and TC, the two original hosts of Off the Ropes, as it was known back then. Hmm. So
1: it
2: was Off the Ropes, TC, Matty P, my um, don't remember exactly WSC, I believe was like the radio station. Mm-hmm. But they started this off as a college radio station thing. Um, when the semester ended, Maddie P didn't want to stop it, you know, for the summer or whenever the time off was. So I came on as host, uh, to keep it through the summer with him. Then we continued it on as a three-man show. Uh, but once he left the college, um, I took over, and then I, just, you know, I brought on Killenberg and Mikey for some time with me, and then right. I, so now it's just actually uh, Mikey. Whenever he has time, he'll show up. But it's pretty much just Killenberg and me now.
1: But you do you do a wonderful gag when he's not there.
2: <laughs> well, you know, sometimes the absence of Mikey, we all wonder about it. We think we we spot him. We think we spot Mikey sometimes. Turns out it's just a bag of trash. All
1: right. I mean, uh, I'm
2: not insulting the guys. Sometimes I think it's him, and no, it's the bag of trash that's there.
1: Now the uh, the 200 episodes did that start when you went to to podcast form? Has there been 200 podcast episodes?
2: Yeah, well, it's been a podcast since the beginning.
1: Okay, we started
2: off at the radio station, but they were uploading it as well. Wow! So it's been a it's been a podcast since the very beginning for 200 episodes, and uh, we haven't missed a week yet.
1: Are they are they I, all?
2: Yes. Yeah.
1: Are they all online?
2: No, certainly We can't have uh, like all of them online. We don't have the uh, space for it. Sure. Yeah, and then Matty P has all the episodes he's done, and I kept all the episodes I've done. So we're kind of split on that as well. So hopefully, uh, we'll maybe we'll be able to find a way to archive everything.
1: But you've, you've you've done them all. That's that's well. I always say, you know, archive.org will hold it for free, or you can make it into a, a video with a still picture and throw them on YouTube, and YouTube will let you put whatever you want. You know, as many you know hours and hours as you, as you have time to upload, they'll take them.
2: Oh really? Because we've done. We have done like five-hour shows
1: before. I don't think. I mean, YouTube. I've seen things now that you know run hours and hours on there. You know, like ten yeah. hours. I think there's a clip that's ten hours long of Daniel Bryan going, "Yes, yeah." I um,
3: think
0: you just yeah, have, have right.
1: to like reg-
3: you, register your account. Like, there's just one step you have to go through, and it and it's pretty
2: easy.
1: Right, but even if even if you had to break them down into multiple episodes, that you know that still still works.
2: Yeah, so I mean, hopefully we'll we'll try to find a way to archive it. I don't know if there's really a demand for that,
1: yes. but it's always
2: fun to go back, you know, a couple of years and you listen to things. Um, like some of the fun things is that we used to, and I think everybody did this back then. We used to say Ted DiBiase Junior. was the one with the future, and why don't they just get rid of that Cody Rhodes guy? So boring. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I, I, you know, I got to say, I always thought Cody had a better look. I thought Ted was such a bland-looking guy. Um, I thought that, that Cody had kind of like this weird, offbeat kind of look, which I liked better. But he had no knee pads.
2: Yeah, and we were the opposite. We were saying, uh, yeah, like Cody's too weird-looking. I mean, Teddy has the look. You know, he's a big, strong dude, and
1: yeah, we were wrong on that account. Uh yeah, well, I've been wrong on so many things over the years. I I uh, I thought the uh many times I thought Brutus Beefcake was going to be exciting including when he was the man with no name and he just showed up in the ring and beat people up wearing a, wearing a, uh,
2: Well, I have to say my one of my proud chest pro-
1: chest protector and just, you know, running in and just beating up jobbers and earthquake and What is one of your favorites, Captain?
2: One of my proudest moments on OTR was when I correctly guessed the Juan Cena gimmick.
1: Oh my God, the Juan Cena gimmick! Wow.
2: Because it was it, this was around the time the Nexus formed and John Cena was mm-hmm. like, Cena's free, Cena's fired.
1: Yeah. But so that...
2: I said, and I, and I said, I said, I am pretty sure I have the audio proof somewhere. Mm-hmm. I said, oh, don't worry, he'll just be back with a mask and call himself Juan Cena.
1: It's amazing. And lo and
2: behold, that house the house show that week. He comes back with a
1: mask. Juan Cena. I I could not. That was one of those things that I thought everybody on the internet was pulling my leg. I just could not believe that that was real. Just amazing. And well, the thing
2: is, I believe he did it at a house show in Anaheim.
1: It was. Yeah, and I know he did one here in uh, like Madison Square Garden. I believe uh, Juan Cena wrestled there. So. <laughs> Well, I I wish you the best of luck. 200 is just fantastic. An incredible, incredible, exciting number. Uh, Craig, thank you so much for joining me for this one.
3: Yes, thank you. Enjoy your Thanksgiving,
1: everyone. Yes, and we will see you next time here on Camel Clutch Cinema.
0: I was actually at Survivor Series. I was actually at, 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 at,
3: I was Series